Welcome to Billy and Mali this evening. It's uh, brilliant to have you all here with us. Before we begin tonight, I'd like to invite a special guest up to give us a welcome to country, Marilyn Struther. Thank you, Casey. I just want to say this is my first welcome to country, so don't expect too much. <laughs> I'd like to begin with an acknowledgement to the traditional owners, the Noongar Wadjuk people, and pay my respects to the elders past and present for their contribution and contribution to culture and language and spiritual beliefs that will help us and help you younger people, the next generation, to take that forward. So Welcome to everyone, and it's great to see so many people here tonight, these old faces, not as old as mine and a few others, but it's great to be back. Thank you. So, um, hi everyone, and I guess welcome officially on behalf of the university. I know quite a few of you, but I don't know everyone, but I'm Jill Milroy, I'm the Pro Vice-Chancellor Indigenous um, at UWA. I have been here, I think, since the program started. Gabe and I are both here in the late 80s, which is hard to admit to, but that's when we did. And I know a few of our students are here from that time, or in the early 90s, and, and, and some people are much more recent. But it's, and some people have brought their kids, which is fantastic to see um, other generations coming forward. So welcome to our new home. I, most of you will remember us at Shenton House, which is probably would just fit into this little back room here um, in its entirety and to our beautiful new building. And really, the building is designed with Dr Richard Wally and really much with Noongar Wadjuk people and traditional owners to the fore to really make sure that our building was appropriate for the landscape. And we have this beautiful, beautiful swan by um, Noongar artist Sharon Egan looking down on all of us and, and protecting us and looking after us and welcoming everybody to this place. Great to see you all here. Please feel free to wander around Bill Mali afterwards and have a good look if you want or come back later and bring your kids. This is just a chance. I do want to thank Bree and everyone that's helped organise this for us and I hope it's the sort of beginning of just many occasions when we get together and talk about what we've done. I'm really immensely proud of everyone that's graduated, and I know Gabe and Marilyn, everyone is too. It's always been a team effort, but um, very proud of what you've done. And as I've gone around talking to people, we've got so many amazing stories here that people can share. We're going to get a few of those behind us, but I know everyone here has got a fantastic story, and I hope at some point you can share that with all of us. So welcome, and I hope to chat to anyone I haven't chatted to um, before you leave. So tonight we have an amazing opportunity to hear from some of our CIS alumni. Uh, I am also an alumni of CIS. I am Baladong Noongar from Querading. I came to UWA to start an education degree a couple of years ago now um, and actually returned to CIS at the start of 2020 to be part of the student services team here. So it's a real honour for me to be back supporting this next generation of our students go through UWA. I'm grateful for the invite to moderate this panel this evening and I hope you enjoy hearing from each of our guests. I'll introduce them and then they'll speak a little bit about their journey thus far. Uh, so on the end we have Dr Cindy Solanak, then we have Jodie Eat, Brad Retz, Katina Law and we have Kim Fartmer next to me. 
Um, what I'll get them to do first of all is just share a little bit about uh, what they studied here at UWA and some of their journey post UWA. And the bigger question here is whether you envisaged your journey taking the route it has when you were a student here initially. Um, anyone uh, that would like to start is welcome to. All right, Brad, it's you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I feel like I've been singled out some way. I'm not, not sure. Anyway, look, as before, I'm Brad Retz. I studied law here, and I started in 95 on the day that my youngest daughter was born. And uh, I was a mature-age student. I was completely out of sorts and lost roaming around UWA. And I ended up at Shenton House with Jill and, and Gabe. And they were some of the, the people that uh, settled me down and stopped me from sitting in the corner rocking, thinking, what have I done, what have I done? And um, after, after four years, I graduated in 99 with a, a Bachelor of Laws and have gone on since then to study military law at the post-grad level and worked in private practice and for government, still working for government nowadays. In answer to the question, did I see it leading where I am now? No, I didn't. I didn't see the military law thing at all. I didn't see postgraduate. I am one of those people. I put my hand on my heart and admit it. I walked out of here after graduating, so I'm never going to do that again. And then after a couple of years, I thought, oh, I'm actually a bit bored. I want to do some more studies. So then I went back and, and studied more. But the military side of things I didn't see coming, the government side of things I didn't see coming. I was always going to go into private practice, which I did for a little while, but uh, ended up following other paths. So, and here I am today now after working with legal aid communities and um, working in some of the less sexy areas of law, things like family and domestic violence, child protection, those types of things, So, uh, which whilst confronting at times is also very rewarding. Um, at the end of the day, too. So, yep, that's me in a nutshell. Thanks, Brad. Who's next? Go for it, Kim. Goodness, I really should just start picking people. Kim, you're next. Okay. I, I did quite a bit of studies and I had to wear the student number of 1989 throughout <laughs> all my studies. So, I've been around for a long time. I, I started Bachelor of Arts and I was incredibly nervous and unsure of myself and um, I think I probably got through all of Bachelor of Arts without saying anything in any class. I, I do recall going to the doctor at one point and asking could I get some sort of relaxant to be able to try and say something but I, then I was a bit too relaxed so nothing <laughs> came out. But it was, it was you know, being able to come to UWA and, and to Shenton House where Jill and um, you know, Gabe and, and all the crew were there, really transformed my life. It had an immediate impact because with that degree, my first job was with the Aboriginal Affairs Planning Authority under Cedric Wyatt. And in a few months, by virtue of a trip to the Kimberley, I was able to go up and work at the Kimberley Land Council as a junior anthropologist because, I, because I'd done a Bachelor of Arts at UWA and majored in anthropology. So it changed my life tenfold and and I continued to do some studies because it was a really exciting time then it was the beginning of native title it was a huge excitement and uh, but there had been anthropologists working for years and years and they were saying oh you know you've got to go back and you've got to get more studies BA is not really going to cut the mustard so I came back and did a brand new course for Shenton House I think it was the postgraduate diploma of arts and 
I did that a bit more. I worked in uh, Land and Heritage and the Noongar Land Council and there was about four of us back then, so it was a little bit different to how it is today. But then with a fill-in job, I worked at the Aboriginal Legal Service as a court officer advocating for Aboriginal people in, in the court and really that I realised how much I loved it. I did it for a couple of years. A magistrate called me up to her chambers and said, oh, you know, you've got to go back and get your piece of paper. So I was back here again with my 89 student <laughs> number, being an extra mature student. And, and I did that as a graduate. And I've since, you know, I think I got admitted in 2004 and I worked many years at the Aboriginal Legal Set, uh, Service uh, in criminal defence. I did a number of years working for myself in the same area done some other areas of law and then have sort of returned back to the courts because I loved it so much. So I'm farmer legal now. Brilliant. Anyway. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> Katina. Um, my name's Katina Law. I'm um, originally from Derby. Um, I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree here. I started in 1998. No, 1988. <laughs> and yeah, did commerce very much benefited from the, the Shenton House support that I got and I really enjoyed being part of an Aboriginal community of people with the other students that were here on, on campus at the time. I, when I graduated, I joined Argyle Diamonds as a, a graduate accountant and I've been working in the mining industry for the last 30 years. During that time, I've worked, lived and worked in many different countries. Um, and, you know, along the way, sort of about uh, 15 years ago, I did uh, an MBA at London Business School. So since then, these days I'm a company director and I'm also an entrepreneur. So I have a couple of companies that I've, I've started, IPS Management Consultants and Dajan Sandalwood Oils. And I sit on the board of two different ASX-listed companies. I'm also on the board of Headspace, which was the National Youth Mental Health Foundation. And in answer to your question, I would never have imagined that I would be <laughs> yeah, um, doing the things that I do today. When I did my um, Bachelor of Commerce, I, I really thought I'd just end up being an accountant in an accounting firm. But instead, I've, I've done all sorts of other interesting things. And I think that's the thing about study is you just don't know where it will take you and it opens doors. And I think, yeah, you don't know when you start. You just don't know where you're going to end. Mm, thank so, you. Jodie. Hi, everyone. I'm Jodie Eat and I'm a doctor. Um, this Early this year, I got my fellowship in psychiatry, which was the postgrad side of things. So I've been floating around here for a long time, <laughs> and I can't believe actually how everyone has not aged. <laughs> um, you guys all look amazing, but yeah, I started medicine in 1996. I was 17 at the time, and that was a six-year undergrad degree then, and. You know, doors opening, I, I've sort of always felt like when the doors open for you, you should go through it. And so medicine sort of was not on my radar until it was. Um, thanks to Dr. Dave and, you know, Shenton House and the whole crew there. And so, you know, I just didn't realise it was a thing for me. So glad I did, um, because undergrad work was great. 
really enjoyed UWA, studying, you know, exams. There was lots of them, didn't love them as much, but lots of support. And I sought out really diverse experiences as an undergrad med, med student, so rural terms and terms in um, prisons and terms in, with the flying doctors um, to really kind of figure out what I wanted to do you know, later on in terms of a specialty. And uh, no, I, I absolutely would never have picked myself as a psychiatrist back then. I was beelining it to, uh, to work in an ED. That was my thing. And I definitely took a convoluted sort of course to my fellowship in that I, I finished med school, started my internship, life took a turn and I started a family and then I took 10 years off from clin clinical medicine, raised my kids up and then back, still with the idea of specialising in emergency medicine. And then again, a door kind of just opened <laughs> and I worked with some really impressive psychiatrists actually. In, in a mental health service, an inpatient service. And I think it was a combination of, one, the people I was working with and learning from, and two, I'd grown up a bit by then. <laughs> and I wasn't, you know, I, I'd had my family and things, and I just saw psychiatry through very different eyes when I came back as a more mature student. And it definitely has been a challenge. It was a lot more years of exams. But now that I'm on the other side, it was all worth it. <laughs> Two years ago, I might not have said the same thing, but I am glad that I stuck it out. Because now I've worked you know, in really diverse places again. I've worked in Kimberley, done lots of training in Rockingham, Peel kind of services. And another, another unexpected turn was actually finding my way into private practice, which, you know, just was a uh, surprise, but a, a really great fit for me. So I'm working privately at Salvado, which is the clinic in Subiaco now. Love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Cindy? I'm, my name is Cindy Solomek, and I'm a Nyingana woman from the West Kimberley. Um, so I'm not the only derby person sitting on here. <laughs> yeah. I, my UWA studies was to do a PhD. My undergrad and masters I did at ECU. I was also a, a mature, very much a mature age student when I started studying at university at the age of 36, living in Marble Bar, and I did a uh, block release. And I think most of us might know what a block release is, yeah. Um, so ECU were offering that at the time. But anyway, so I did that. I, I haven't, <clears throat> I don't have flourishing career. Um, based on having done studies at university. But I did do my PhD journey here. Um, it took me five years, and I thought that was a terrible long time. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy it, I have to be honest. But I am glad that I did get it done. Um, because, you know, things, doors do open up for you. And I would encourage other mature-aged students like me to go ahead and, and do this when you've got more time on your hands to do it. and. Um, out of my PhD thesis, two of my examiners said that you should really publish this, Cindy, because it's a, it's a social history in the West Kimberley, and it's based on my family. 
that's about marginalised people. So, you know, histories are normally about famous people and people who win wars and, you know, it's not normally people like my families. So I thought, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> and one of them, and, I, and of course I insisted on having an Aboriginal examiner, so there were three examiners. So the Aboriginal one, um, he sent me some places who would be interested. But I really, I thought if I'm going to publish, I really want to go with Magabala Books. That's my country, basically, you know? And it's an Indigenous publishing company, and it's a very good one. So um, I approached them, and some of you might know uh, Rachel Binsella. She was onto my case straight away. <laughs> she said, yep, yep. She read the thesis, she said, yep. We can turn this, this uh, thesis into a book. So what I've done is, uh, because a, a lot of the, the research are oral histories, I've talked to people over the years and I've talked to a lot of people who don't have much education, maybe just primary school, particularly my mum's siblings. Um, this book had to be for a general readership. It's not a scholarly book, so you're not going to find it in the shelves of universities and it doesn't have footnotes. I did put the bibliography at the end of it and I've dropped all of the, you know, the academic stuff out of it um, so that now it is accessible to anybody to read. And I'm so glad I did that because once it was released in May, um, you know, doors open and I had a call from Better Reading, the people who had a Better Reading. So they, what they do is they've got like 700,000 people on their list. So Better Reading put out new books all the time. But they invited me to go onto a, um, a Facebook discussion. So all these people came up, you know, and I'd, I talked about my book for about 20 minutes and then they came and asked questions. So mainly people who are interested in biography, interested in social histories, uh, interested in the Kimberley, interested in Aboriginal history. They're the ones who came on and asked questions. And, and the, uh, what uh, Better Reading do is they get 20 books from Agabala. They say to their readers, uh, first 20 people in who want to have a free book in exchange for a review. Um, that's what we'll do. So 20 people put their hands up. They all got a copy of my book. And most of them gave it really good reviews. Now, I didn't know <laughs> what it was going to be like, you know. Um, I had no idea. I don't come from this background of reading books and being, you know, high, highly educated or anything. But when the reviews came back, I sort of thought, oh, yeah, this is all right. But other things have happened since, you know. Um, I've got invited up to the Kununurra, or the, actually the Kimberley Writers Festival, which was in Kununurra just recently. So they pay the whole way. <laughs> they pay for everything. And you meet other lovely authors who are, I found out were internationally renowned authors. And I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> um, so that, that's really nice. A couple of other little things have opened up as well. But, you know, go on, do your PhD, do your thesis, get it published and have it for general readership so that everybody can read it. Brilliant. Thank you, Cindy. I'm fairly sure we should have a bookstore here tonight. I reckon you'd have some avid customers in the crowd. Katina, I'll start with you with this next question. So when you think about your undergrad study experience as compared to your postgrad study experience, what would you say the difference between those would be? And undertaking postgrad study, how did that then impact your career path? Well, I chose to do my postgraduate studies in London, so that's an obvious difference to doing it here in Perth. So living and working in an international city was, uh, well, studying um, in an international city was amazing. I think the main difference, though, is that for my MBA, my postgrad, it was very much focused on 
trying to translate the theory into hands-on knowledge, into hands-on application and being able to apply what you were learning in the real world. And so there was lots of, um, a lot of case studies, but also a lot of practical activities, including, you know, paid consulting assignments and things like that to enable you to use your knowledge and practice using your knowledge. So, uh, and I think post-grad is more about delving deeper into a particular subject and really becoming a, a, a more knowledgeable about a particular subject rather than undergrad, which can be more generalist, I would say. Now, for me, I did my MBA so that I could transition from being sort of a site-based accountant to being in more corporate roles, and it, w it worked really well for me to do that. So, Brilliant. Does anyone else want to share anything from their postgrad experience and the difference between that and undergrad? I think when I did my postgrad, that was at ANU in, in Canberra, and I think, as I said, it was specifically on military law, so it was very, very focused. And it, it covered operations law, um, discipline law, um, administrative law, all of the, the sort of the main areas that are important to the ADF. As I said, very, very focused. It was all about, um, as Katina said, it's, it was about more the hands-on. How do you put the theory into, into practice on a day-to-day on a -day basis? And that covered everything from military discipline matters. So someone was late to work or slept in or didn't turn up for guard duty or something like that, and through to um, operational issues. So, you know, if you're in a joint task force, what weapons platforms are you allowed to load onto the plane if you've signed a certain treaty? Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty varied, but it was very, very specific, and it's very much focused on um, ADF legal officers, which I was at the time. So um, yeah, it, it opened doors in terms of my military life. In a bizarre twist, because I was involved in administrative inquiries and investigations in the ADF, I now have a similar role in in a government department now. So even though it was very, very focused and I thought it would never be of use in the civilian world, quite bizarrely it is actually the reason I'm doing what I'm doing now because of the skills I picked up during that, that post-grad study. To continue on with that, Brad, uh, if you had to distill down the lessons that you learned from your education to one or two key ones, what would they be and how do you apply those lessons in your work today? Uh, I think, as I said earlier on, when I got here, I was a mature age student as well, so I felt old, I felt isolated, and, and Shenton House was a, a wonderful place to, to hang out and decompress and just feel like you belong somewhere rather than the silly old bloke that's roaming around campus. <laughs> Aside from that, uh, I guess that was the sort of the, the anxiety and fear I had to deal with, and, and I think one of the things I learned in the undergrad time was, was you know, back yourself. You know, you're here for a reason, one foot in front of the other, keep going, don't give up. Um, as uncomfortable as you might feel at any given moment, and there were lots of times I did feel uncomfortable, just back yourself, take it one subject, one essay, one exam, one tutorial at a time, and just keep plodding forward and you'll get to the end. I guess the difference with postgrad was you'd already been through the undergraduate mill, so you knew what study was about and what was expected of you. My Postgrad study was probably a little bit different to everyone else's in that it was done in blocks. So we would get released from a unit, 
transported to ANU in Canberra and we'd do an intensive period of time and that'd be a unit gone and then you'd be back to, to work and then you'd come back and do the next unit and that continued until you finished your your uh, qualification. So I guess from the postgrad, be flexible. You never know what's coming. Uh, sometimes uh, you get a tap on the shoulder and say, right, they're running an operations law course next week, you're on it, go. So. Okay, <laughs> you're not prepared, you're not in that mindset of, of you know, oh, it's, it's the beginning of semester, I know I'm going to study. Um, this would often just come out of the blue if you were selected to go on the course. So, yeah. so back yourself, one step at a time, and be flexible, be prepared for the unexpected. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. Um, Kim, did you have anything to add to that in terms of key lessons from either undergrad or postgrad yeah, or both? Um, I think first though, looking at what Dr. Wally has designed here, and you said it meant a nest. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was Shenton House doing, doing a course that was quite terrifying to do, but being able to go to Shenton House, which kind of grounded. So what I took from my studies was, you know, you can be scared of the challenges that are out there, but finding a place to kind of connect with, to be able to return to, to go, it is a challenge. It's, it's not actually a fear that you can't overcome. And I think uh, I definitely taken my early studies fear and applied it to all the challenges in my life. I, I think there's probably a bit of uh, attractiveness to being able to do things that are, I feel like are well above my capacity or even my expectations on myself. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant how study can just expand that really, how we come in with this understanding of what we're capable of and that just expands exponentially over time. Thank you. Uh, Kim, when you look back on your degree or degrees, what was the most, what were some of the most memorable experiences for you? And was there anything through that experience that was quite unexpected? I think day one, starting at UWA in 1989, was the most profound day. And um, I think at that point I had really exceeded my expectations of where I was going to go in my life. And, and then that managed to get through and complete was another huge step. So at that point I thought, right, I'm, I'm sorted, I'm done. But as we've all said, it's, it's about these opening doors, about seeing, you know, being really receptive to opportunities. And once you become really aware there's an opportunity there, you kind of can work out, oh, how can I, you know, capitalise on that? How can I make a, another opportunity? So doing an undergraduate degree was you know, doing your first degree is incredible and it opens the first biggest door in your life and you can go out and, and enter an industry that you, perhaps you didn't think you could. Doing a postgraduate is actually going, well, the sky's the limit. I mean, I, I've got my future in my hands and I, I can do this. And it takes you from entry level to, and in my case, even a completely change of direction, which was to go into the law. I'm not sure if I answered that. No, but. that's great. Any other memorable experiences from your time of study and anything unexpected? Many. <laughs> Both many memorable things and unexpected things. I suppose in undergrad, well, actually, even in postgraduate medicine and specialising, I think there's this constant, you know, you sort of shift through these rotations and you kind of, uh, you're a doctor or a doctor in training all the way along 
that each part of medicine that you sort of move through is is like kind of learning something new and the amount of kind of knowledge really that you gain over your studies without I mean obviously you're putting in the hard work and you're learning all of this stuff but it's only when you come to the end of it all and you look back actually that you think oh this was a lot of stuff <laughs> um, so I, I think one of the um, most sort of surprising things was I, I can see myself as a 17-year-old med student working with these more senior doctors and consultants in different areas of medicine thinking, wow, these guys know so much. And, you know, they could talk about their patients in such a sort of complete way. They just seem to be able to remember every detail of every patient. And I remember thinking, wow, <laughs> how do they do that? <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of decades later, I am a consultant now. And I find myself just sort of not thinking about what I'm doing, but I'm doing what, you know, those people, my seniors inspired me with. And that, that's really surprising to say, oh, I made it. <laughs> I'm sure that's brilliant to hear. I know we've got a number of our undergrad and current postgrad students here and, you know, sometimes you're so consumed by your studies it's hard to imagine yourself in your career later down the track. So thank you for that. Cindy, in terms of the publishing of your book, what's next for you in that work? Well, I must say um, I'm no spring chicken and I've retired. Actually, it's a terrible word, retired, because you're actually busier when you were studying. Um, yeah, I don't know. I call myself an accidental author because I didn't know I was going to publish a book and I didn't know it was going to do okay. So, um, you know, I've got a few friends in the area now, um, authors, and, um, yeah, I just, at the moment, think I might write something else. The one that I did write is a uh, creative non-fiction, but I couldn't do that again. And there's a lot of work in that, um, so it would have to be fiction if I did do something else. So I just might think about... There's lots of stories out there, aren't there? There's so many, you know. I go for walks in the morning and I see things. And like this morning there was this lady on the footpath and she looked really sad. And I thought, oh, and I kept walking. And then when I went past where I think is her house, there was a police car in there. And I thought, oh, <laughs> something's going on here. So I went for a walk around the block and I came back and, yeah, she'd gone and there was another lady there in a suit and a little case and the cops were there and I thought, oh, something's happening right next door. But, you know, um, there's lots of, lots of things, lots of ideas um, that I might tap into. My husband has a really interesting story, being post-war immigrants, you know. Uh, yeah, I'll see. Brilliant. We look forward to reading your next work. <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, ask one final question of each of the panellists and that is... Uh, what would your piece of advice be for anyone considering further study, whether that be well postgrad for our current undergrads or someone that maybe isn't studying currently that's in the workforce that might think about postgrad study? I'll start with you, Cindy, okay. if that's okay. Sorry. Oh, look, if you're going on to do postgrad studies, make sure you have a mentor. Yeah, and you can probably get mentors through CIS, but that is really, really important and it's something that I never had. I did approach a couple of people, but they didn't want to be my mentor. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you really need to offload. I had um, my supervisors. None of them are here anymore, although actually I think one's on extended leave, but the other two have left. 
I didn't really have a strong grounding from my supervisors, except for Sheena. Sheena was beautiful. I'm glad she came in the last 18 months. But I think if I'd had somebody else just to talk to, um, just to deal with stuff that... Uh, doing a PhD can be pretty heavy. You know, you've got a lot of reading to do. Um, there's a lot of research. I really didn't know how to research properly. I'd sit down in the State Records Office or in the Batty Library and, you know, I had, wasn't really being given good direction. But I think if I'd had somebody in the know, um, that would have been really helpful for me. But stick at it because you get through it. I did. <laughs> Thanks. Jodie? Uh, what are we looking for? Hot tips. Uh, so, yeah, one piece of advice for anyone considering further study. Do it. Back yourself. You know, I think there wouldn't be many of us who have done undergrad work or postgrad work where we've questioned about whether or not we belong there, whether we've sort of got the goods to be there. But yes, we do. And I think, you know, as, as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we bring a perspective to our work and w whichever area that is in, which is so incredibly valuable. And certainly in medicine, I don't know if there's any med students or doctors here, but the perspectives that, that you bring to healthcare, regardless of who you're looking after, really are so valuable to your patients, but also to the teams that you're working in as well. And I guess the, the other sort of piece of advice would be it's okay to bomb out and fail. It's survivable and it makes you cleverer, more humble, you know. It's, I, I can't, someone really important said this, but I can't remember who, you know, there's no such thing as winning and losing, there's just winning and learning. So, yeah, even the, the speed humps along the way are really important actually. Thank you. Brad? Yeah, look, as I said before, and, and as was mentioned a moment ago, back yourself. It's not uncommon to go through being terrified or having some mild anxiety or a feeling of not belonging. Um, and I think we need to look in, inside ourselves and just say, look, we, we belong here as much as anyone else. Keep at it. Back yourself, one foot in front of the other. And then, you know, before you know it, it's over and and that was the thing that sort of amazed me it was always so many more years so many more units so many more and all of a sudden it was finished and it was done with and then by the time you get to the postgrad if you decide to do that you're more familiar with with study and it doesn't seem as, as scary or as daunting so yeah again jump in both feet and have a go yeah. you just look back on it fondly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. if you could speak on that for a little bit, Brad, that would be good. Um, Katina, a piece of advice. Yes, I would say choose your course wisely. I would say choose something that will give you a good life experience as well as just learning. You know, I think you can... I think the people that you meet and the, the friends that you make are a very important part of any university degree. Like, you can acquire knowledge just, you know, going to an online university, but if you have the choice choose something that's going to enrich your life as well. I would also say don't be afraid to apply to overseas universities if, you, if, if, if you're inspired to do so. I remember when I applied, you know, I was really surprised to find that these other universities on the other side of the world knew what, what UWA was. They knew 
that it was a good university and that, that they rated my degree and, you know, it'll be the same for you guys if you, if you, if you want to. UWA is a great, you know, step to, to other things around the world if you want to. Obviously the world has changed a bit now, but <laughs> hopefully you'll have those opportunities if you want them. Thanks, Katina. Kim? Um, well, a lot of people do their <coughs> degree and their studies and they're not quite sure what they want to do. When you're doing your postgraduate degree, you can actually do exactly what you want to do. You've already worked it out. You can um, build on the undergraduate degree you've got or you can go in a new direction. So, And the other thing is when you do an un undergraduate, you don't know what you don't know. But when you're doing your postgraduate degree, you, you know where to get where to park the car, you know, um, where you're not going to get a ticket, you know, and uh, you can also, you know, take advantage of all the supports that are out there because there are scholarships, there's tutoring and everything that, you know, this centre offers and also, you know, you might be able to get a job and stuff like that. Brilliant. Thank you. I'd just like to thank our panellists so much. Although I'm moderating this panel, I feel like I was just sitting here listening and kind of drinking in this advice and information as well. You know, I too have done some postgrad study, considering further postgrad study. So, your advice has been incredibly valuable, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us tonight in this space. It's a real honour to be in this group of people this evening. I think that we all have a lot to learn from each other, um, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of the evening. Please make sure you eat food, have some drinks, come and ask these guys any questions that you have. I just want to say a big thank you to Bree and Jen and to Gabe and Brendan and the whole team who have made tonight a possibility. Uh, I hope that this is the start of many more events like this at Billy Marley. And let's just finish by giving our panellists a big round of applause. <laughs> <laughs>